Martini Theatre on the Air is proud to present the man who would be Sherlock Holmes. Episode 3 Outside of De La Fleur's house awaits a cab with its driver, while Wiggins, veiled by a large tree, quietly observes all. The Bank of England. Quickly. Bank of England, right away. Wiggins runs like a deer toward a departing cab and latches himself to the back of it like a leech to the flesh. The cab and its driver sits awaiting on a street where the likes of Wiggins stands out like a strawberry on a pig. But the lad stays focused, buffing up the bottom of his old ridden boot with a lump of coal. He then makes his way into the vast marble-laden halls of the Bank of England, where we catch his sight of a frustrated dealer floor standing across from an equally frustrated attendant. This is an outrage. I need that money before the bank closes today. I demand to see the manager. Very well, then. But I can promise you this. I shan't be long. Wiggins steps up to De La Fleur and places his coal-ridden boot upon the pure white spat at a Frenchman's right foot, smudging it with a black streak. Oh, I'm terribly sorry about that, sir. What are you up to? What business do you have here? Oh, well, I'm just checking up on a few of my accounts. What about you, Gov? Excuse me, sir. The bank manager seems to think that he may have a solution to this problem. If you will follow me, please. It's a real pleasure to be making your acquaintance, sir. Wiggins, my name. One of Solly's lot. For now, anyway. So, I take it that you are the lad assigned to Le Fleur. Simple as it was, sir, I do feel it difficult to take your money. But business is business.
How you doing, Bungie? Ain't seen you in a while. Yeah, well, you best get used to that. A bottle in a room. Real private, like. Fanny, where is she? Oh, she'll be working the bar tonight, she will. Not likely. She'll be working for me. Oh! <laughs> oh. Bungie's simian-like face quickly morphs into one of childlike wonder as he turns to behold the wanton splendour that is Fanny Lynn Munro. A tattered beauty with glowing hazel eyes that stare flirtatious-like from below a strawberry blonde mane. Tall, firm and fit as a fiddle, with an all-too-restrictive corset that prominently displays a pair of even breasts. With his mandible dropping like a bag of bricks from the gallows, Bungie can do little more than stand perfectly still like a gruesome statue of devotion as he stares lovelorn at the wench behind a wood. The information you have provided will in no doubt prove itself indispensable. For this, I thank you immensely. Good day to you, young sir. I'm sure that I can still prove my services useful. I appreciate your eagerness to help, but I am quite capable on my own. Come on now, Gav. That French bloke ain't likely to just let anyone straight out dodge him now, is he? I happen to have an experienced cabbie that I use exclusively on jobs such as these. Begging your pardon, sir, but that's no guarantee. I've been on many a lax job in my day, and I can promise you that this frog will have more than one cab awaiting for him tonight. I see. And how would you abate this? First of all, I've already pegged the blighter while in line at the bank. At no cost to you. I never charge a client for nothing that they ain't discussed beforehand. An honest man of business. How refreshing. Now, after putting a spot on the peg, I spark myself to the cab and then... I'll put this little beauty into play. Wiggins lifts up to the face of the great detective a child's building block. But all four sides are pasted with a piece of broken mirrored glass. I calls it... The Wiggin Finder. Sherlock Holmes stares ardently back at his cracked reflection, and his eyes, once unknown to humankind, are suddenly lost, sad, and soulless. a big buttonhead like you be doing in America? Being the toast of the town, that's what. As you can be there as well. Making me elbow look real pretty like. You've had yourself one too many trips down other Swandham Lane, you have. Three thousand quid by midnight, says. Bungie slaps upon the bar two first-class tickets to the estranged colonies across the pond. You sail with me by morning. Fanny looks with wide-eyed wonder at the two vouchers. Then at Bungie, with a less than dubious eye. And, with a suitable grin, she slips her arm through his bent elbow, making it look real pretty-like. Several dancing shadows prance about upon the lucid curtains of Delafleur's living room window as the wet reflection of the gaslights bounce off the fog-ridden streets against the black doors of not one, not two, 
but free awaiting cabs. Around a corner of the street, out of sight behind a large shrubbery, sits another cab with its cabby sitting atop it. Standing just outside of it is Watson, peering through a spyglass, with Sherlock Holmes at his side. Through the spectacles, Watson observes just not one, not just two, but three men, all of extreme girth and each dressed in a white suit and bowler hat, making leave a dealer fluids of bone. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, eh, Holmes? Child's play, indeed. And that child would be Wiggins, crouched like a lion, ready to pounce, with a canvas bag strapped to his shoulder, his two assertive eyes quickly surveyed his shoes of the three dealer floors. And a pop, as he spies the familiar black streak across the one white spat as it begins to enter the first cab. Wiggins bolts, scampering below that very cab and attaching himself to its bottom between the two axles. As the three cabs take leave, Holmes and Watson spring into their own, as it, in a most delicate manner, trails the pack. Inside the cab, Watson observes the great detective calmly strike a match and light up a policeman's lantern. All this fuss, just to lay our hands upon a man who looks no more consequential than a West End hairdresser. Holmes ignores this assertion as he attaches a long snoot to the front of the lantern just as the cab comes to an abrupt stop. Holmes lifts his torch toward a circle with four streets partitioned and stabbing out from it. The snoot of the lamp projects a beam of light that Holmes points down one of the byways. The light cuts through the fog to illuminate nothing but swirling mist. Holmes runs to the next street over and does the same with the same result. He then darts back to the next cobblestone and swings his lantern back and forth. Then, out from the misty darkness comes a twinkling light from the ground. This light prompts the world's only consultant detective's mouth to curl into a very satisfied grin. For the light signifies that the chase is on. Narrow cobblestone byway swish past Delaflu's cab window as he races at top speed. With Wiggins crawling from below to cling to the rear of the cab and pull out a wig and find it from his canvas sack and toss it into the road. A few moments pass before Holmes's cab slows to a canter as he reaches out from the opening door and scoops up that very same glistening cube from the gutter in which it lies. Delafleur's cab sips along a waterfront alleyway as the intrepid Wiggins, key word, intrepid, tosses another cube onto another filthy London walkway. Along a slender metropolitan line, Sherlock's cab is at a standstill as he waves his searchlight between two lonely streets. Watson leans out of the cab window, giving support with a lamp of his own. He then points towards a shimmering light, casting back toward him from one of the detours. There, to the right. All this while Wiggins does all the work as he holds another cube into the muck as the cab takes a sharp corner. 
Wiggins slips, and by the every air the hound holds on, snubbing disaster, all due to his cat-like reflexes and boundless daring do. Sherlock's cabbie stands atop his hands, contemplating two avenues that fork out from one. Holmes and Watson, by way of their lamps, do the same on foot. Watson once again makes himself useful, as the eyes are twinkle and glow, bouncing back against the powerful ray of his torch. Whoa, girl, whoa! What are you doing, you fool? For I heard something coming from the rear of the cab. <sighs> Must have been more imagination. Sorry, Gotham. Sorry. Along the aforementioned waterfront alleyway, a wigging finder on the street explodes with light as it gives way under the weight of Holmes's cab wheel. Dealer cab is taking no chances as it flies at a breaking the neck pace down a curvy lane. As Wiggins, now clinging to the bottom of the cab, delicately reaches into his bag for another cue. Then, the obligatory bump in the road. Causing all his Wiggins finders to fall from his open rucksack. And onto the filthy black cobblestone of London town. Much to his overtly charming chagrin. Glassy-eyed Wiggins slowly detaches himself from the greasy axle at a handsome. Await my exit at the far corner of the street. I won't be long. As it trots away, leaving him exposed to the stars above. He watches Delafleur's feet enter through a distant doorway. Wiggins stands. He wobbles up to his stack of Wiggins finders that lay in the middle of the road. He picks one up. Hobbles over to the doorway and drops that wig and find her directly below the marquee of the East End public house known as the Defiant Rose. Intrepid. Adjective. Latin intrepidus. Literally not trembling or shaking with fear. Hence, fearless, brave, undaunted as an intrepid soldier. Characterized by resolute fearlessness, fortitude, and endurance. Courageous, dauntless, doughty, fearless, gallant. Gutsy, gutty, heroic, stout, stout hearted, undaunted. Valiant. Martini Theatre on the Air would like to extend our warmest regards to you. 
our most sincere listener, for tuning in this evening. We would also like to take this moment to thank the Martini Theatre players, whose tireless effort and patience made tonight's broadcast possible. They are as follows. The Dislayed, Victoria Turner, Kerry Lynn Weber, Toby Williams, Michael Northergut, Jim Dana Tall, Timothy James Walsh, Stephen West, D.C. McCauley, Elmer V. Jackson, Robert Romeo Coates, Charles Waterman, and J.D. Booth. Martini Theatre would also like to thank Brian Conwell for his melodious introduction. The Man Who Would Be Sherlock Holmes was written and dramatized by Walter Barclay Campbell based upon the award-winning screenplay of the same name. Until next week, this is M-T-O-T-A signing off.